Cloud costs can quickly spiral out of control unless you take the right steps to optimize your spending. Today, we're going to look at several strategies to balance performance and cost in the cloud. I'm your host, Brian Fawcett, and this is IT Availability Now. This is a show that tells stories of business resilience from the people who keep the digital world available. Public, private, and hybrid clouds offer countless benefits to organizations. But one thing many organizations struggle with, and 82% of them, according to Flexera's State of the Cloud 2020 survey, is managing cloud spend. How can you take advantage of the cloud while making sure your cloud spend stays in line with budgets and business needs? To help us answer these questions and more, we have Servas Verbis with us. He's the lead cloud evangelist for SunGuard AS. Servas, welcome to the show. Great to be here, Brian. So let's kick things off. Why do businesses need to optimize their cloud spend in the first place? And how do we get into this situation? Well, to take advantage of the benefits of the cloud, you need to consistently reevaluate what optimization means to your organization. If it's left unattended, the cloud can become a PL mess, right? Um, you mentioned the Flexera State of the Cloud survey earlier, and you know it shows that organizations are over budget for cloud spend by an average of 23% and expect spend to increase by over 47% next year. Organizations are beginning to leverage automation to shut down workloads when not in use and right-size instances to prevent over-allocation, but they're often forgetting to take advantage of a cloud provider's various financial models. And that's where a lot of savings can be achieved along with reconfiguration and automation. Yeah, and one other statistic from that Flexera survey, and, and one of the most startling, is that respondents estimate that organizations, their organizations, waste 30% of their cloud spend. What are companies spending that wasted money on? So it usually stems from a few issues, right? Not understanding the workload utilization and requirements before putting it in the cloud, not being familiar with the cost control mechanisms that are available, not developing and maintaining governance for deployments, and integrating different platforms and applications without considering or understanding those downstream implications, right? Because a lot of problems can arise from that. Can you give a few examples of those downstream effects? Yeah, sure. Let's say a company has an on-premise database that's working with cloud-based applications. Um, you need to give the cloud direct access to that database so it can communicate with minimal latency. But every time it does, you're going to incur network costs differently on both sides. And because of that difference in model, that can be hard to track, right? And predict for that matter. Another example is if you want to use data in the cloud for development or disaster recovery, you got to manage your data lifecycle correctly. Um, you may end up with a ton of copies of the same data, increasing the storage that you're consuming and potentially putting you in a position where you have different data retrieval cost models, which is going to be difficult to track. And each storage model has different performance and, and costs associated to them, right? And if you choose the wrong one, it could result in poor performance or excessive spend for the use case. So you got to be really cognizant of that. And, and a common one is taking applications from a physical to a virtual deployment. And if done incorrectly, it can have issues. Resources are presented very differently when you go from physical to virtual. And cloud offers you the ability to test so you can move them without the expertise and replatforming, but that's gonna take time and it can be very costly if done improperly. And the time scares me more than anything because that's something you can't get back, right? So. Yeah, so good examples of those downstream effects. How do companies end up in these situations? Like what, what goes wrong? Well, it starts by not having a good process. 
you don't want to create so much process that it prevents moving dynamically, but at the same time, you don't want to emit process for the sake of speed. If you're not tracking what's going on, you may have to reverse engineer while your bill is so high or your performance is so poor to try to pinpoint exactly where you went wrong. Um, you need an integration cycle, right? Don't just connect things, establish a process of testing, development, and quality assurance, and then roll it into production. Putting safeguards in place to ensure you're aware of all the variables being introduced can take troubleshooting, you know, and minimize the effort needed from a technical and cost perspective. And additionally, if you deploy without analyzing the workload to see how it will act and its resource requirements, you may end up with performance issues, excessive spend, or, you know, the worst potential scenario, potential sprawl that's hard to track and maintain. So, Servas, what steps then can companies take to implement uh, that better process you talk about and, and get better visibility into their needs? You know, that, that's a great question. So, it all starts with building a good foundation by establishing a process, understanding what you're trying to accomplish. And the, the best thing I can say about that is it's a good way to stay out of trouble and avoiding having to go back and clean up a mess. Break everything down into business processes and outcomes. That way you can see how the utilization of a process impacts the resource requirements that you have. And it also allows you to eventually peel back the onion to start to find better ways to do things if those business processes change. And you can associate a cost with each business process to help identify the ROI that you're getting from that deployment and, and provide an easier analysis. Maintaining proper controls and documentations on how you're deploying and what you're deploying is also really important. This way, if anything goes wrong, you can go back and pinpoint where it went off the rails and these controls also rationalize how you access and deploy resources. So, you know, in a lot of cases, clients come to me, they start with something that they've deployed as a hobby, but the organization recognizes that it can provide a lot of value. And to try to recognize that value quickly, they integrate it without going through these checks and balances. And when you fly through without review, that's where things can go sideways and you end up having to try to fix things after they've been deployed. Because, um, you know, it's important to try to recognize efficiencies and benefits quickly in the cloud, but at the same time, you don't want to do that at the sake of creating a mess. And, and when it comes to cloud, not one cloud provider really fits everything. It's all about the workload and the use case. You know, you wouldn't use a hammer for every job, and the same goes for cloud. You need to have the flexibility to incorporate the right cloud for the right use case and the right workload. So on that last point there, Servas, can you talk a little bit more about which clouds make the most sense for, for different workloads? So, you know, to your point, it all depends on the state of your application and the workload. If you have a workload that's heavily built in Microsoft, for example, and you don't envision yourself deviating from that stack, Azure is a great option because it's specifically architected to deliver with that application set. If you've got a workload that's decoupled, so you can deliver in a way where you can turn it off and on easily, and if a component fails, you can quickly redeploy that component to continue operations. AWS and GCP are great options. Uh, they provide a lot of scale and coverage and maturity. I mean, AWS specifically has a lot of maturity when we start to talk about these hyperscale providers. Um, additionally, you know, companies love to use these cloud platforms for big data analytics and the delivery of web applications because of the scope and coverage, like I mentioned before, 
but they can also be torn down and spun up with little ramifications based on your organization's needs, pending you have the application in the right state to be stateless and deployed in that manner. If you got workloads that require a lot of horsepower and they're fairly consistent, you know, usually they have some stringent regulatory or compliance requirements tied to them. Private clouds can make a lot of sense, right? Because they're going to offer a level of control that you, you're not going to see in the hyperscale world. Now, there are some unique cases, uh, like you're operating in the, the government sector, where you can leverage some of the specialized deployments that AWS, uh, Azure, and GCP can provide with their Fed clouds. But at the end of the day, you got to consider the downstream impacts of those deployments because they do limit some services in order to meet the regulations they'd have to adhere to. And that could throttle your ability to really look to achieve what you're looking to because you don't have access to key functions you would normally have if you did a standard deployment. That's great insight. Moving back to the cloud spend optimization conversation, and you know, if an organization gets a, a bigger cloud spend bill than expected, what, what can they do to get back on track? Um, this may seem kind of simple and, and kind of obvious, but start with an analysis of what you deployed. Once you know that, have a conversation about the business functions that all those workloads are going to be supporting and the expectations of those workloads. This will help you start from a process perspective of identifying what you actually need. Then you either have to redesign, redeploy, or surgically alter the existing deployments, which that last option is usually a lot more expensive and cumbersome, so that you, you know, don't have to look at redeploying and redesigning the entirety of what you're doing. Um, you don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, but we do have to keep in mind there is a point where it is better to start anew versus refactor and redesign based on the amount of effort and, and uh, resources that have to be allocated to that project. But it really all just points back to those business processes and what they support. What are some other strategies that will help businesses reduce their cloud spend? So leverage tools that allow you to look at your entire landscape so you can see what's being used. Um, additionally, don't be afraid to tap managed service providers for this as well. It can be beneficial to bring in people with specialized expertise to perform this analysis. And you could take advantage of some of the best professionals that the industry has to offer without having to maintain them on staff, right? Uh, try to avoid vendor lock-in. You know, in some cases, because of the state of the data and where it resides, it might be too costly to move from one cloud to another. One of the beauties of the private cloud actually is that you can maintain ownership of the data and streamline your exit strategy. And if you're not considering your exit strategy when you talk about your deployments, you could be potentially setting yourself up for heartbreak in the future. Because if there's a business change on either side, you want to have the flexibility to transition your workload where you need it to be. Um, additionally, and this one commonly gets overlooked, you have to be realistic. The cloud will not automatically be cheaper for every scenario. Know what you're trying to accomplish and how everything you do fits in that targeted outcome. So, Saras, what does SunGuard AS do to help customers um, and companies better manage their cloud spend? So, when you work with SunGuard AS, you're not investing in a specific technology, but the IP and processes that go with that. You can start by integrating your existing hardware into our data centers and then slowly and carefully transition into various cloud consumption models. Um, if you need to move faster, you can move into greater cloud consumption that might be focused on private cloud initially, and then incorporating public cloud where strategically applicable. We also help customer 
minimize waste with the flexible contracting and consumption models that we offer and the managed services that we can offer in tandem. So to sum it all up, wasted cloud spend is a big frustration for many companies, and it it comes from many sources. Uh, But basically, it boils down to a breakdown of processes and governance. And optimizing cloud spend starts with knowing what workloads you have deployed and what business functions they support, as well as understanding the business processes and putting controls in place to ensure a better integration cycle. And you can backtrack from a big bill to find what caused that wasted spend, but it's easier to put governance in place up front. Talk to managed service providers and take advantage of tools and offerings that give you flexibility and control. Servas, thanks so much for chatting today. Thanks for having me. Servas Verbis is the lead cloud evangelist in North America at SunGuard AS. And you can find the show notes for this episode at sunguardas.com slash IT availability now. Please subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice to get new episodes as soon as they're available. IT Availability Now is a production of SunGuard Availability Services. And I'm your host, Brian Fawcett. And until next time, stay available.